Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast today. Episode number 99. One more and we'll be out of 100. Thank you for joining the podcast today. Hope you are doing well, whatever you're doing on this lovely Tuesday morning. And we are so glad to have a special guest. And can we just go ahead and say an honorary P on this pod? He's been on this podcast numerous times. So without further ado, we're going to welcome Pastor Todd Hatcher back to the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Brother Austin. It's an honor to be back on the Two Peas on a Pod podcast. So you're the other P that makes up the two Peas today. All right. I like it. <laughs> You've done some pretty awesome episodes through the through the history of the podcast, and so we're glad to have you back on. I like somebody that'll give me the same energy I try to give while we're doing an interview. So Oh, it's my privilege. We've Appreciate had some good times on here. We've had some Probably too good. Huh? Some laughter, <laughs> some craziness that we had to go back and delete. We've had our arms flying in the air and probably spit throwing and what else. I remember one morning we was recording. It was very early. We was both sleepy. We had just ate and uh, a lot of deleting that morning. Yeah, let's but, delete that. <laughs> but anyways, we're so glad to be back here on the podcast. And I think we've got some non-laughable topics to deal with here today. I didn't do nothing funny, nothing up my sleeve. I'm not going to ask you about chicken and uh, dipping sauce and all that kind of stuff. Today's just going to be serious. My wife said that's what I'm best at, being serious. She said leave the funny stuff alone. (laughs) (laughs) So today's topic, and a very good topic, um, we talked about was the power of knowledge, the importance of doctrine and studying. And we was talking on the phone the other day just about that exact subject. And so I felt like, and it's been on my list of things to deal with on the podcast. And so we're going to discuss today those very things. And we've got a lot to get through. So I'm just going to read one verse and then what happens, happens. We're very scattered today. So whatever happens. (laughs) But uh, I was reading yesterday in 2 Timothy 2 and 15 to study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And, you know, many people have been destroyed for the lack of knowledge, the lack of truth, the lack of knowing God's word. And I honestly believe that a strong church and a strong Christian is one with truth and knowledge, one that can detect and contest false doctrine, um, one that can soul win because they have the right answers to questions that sinners and people that are unlearned are asking. And, uh, you know, we need to know why we believe what we believe. And that statement right there has been the entire burden of even doing this podcast, knowing why we believe what we believe. And obviously not everybody knows everything about the Bible, but we should make it our life's goal to study the Word of God, to study ourselves Approved, And, you know, there's been people that talk to folks that believe false doctrine, folks that believe things that were wrong, and in the world's view, they would say that they lost the debate, not because of the truth was wrong, but that they just didn't know it. They knew it. They had it in their heart, but they didn't have it in their head. And, uh, you know, too many are satisfied with shallow knowledge. 
you know, I'm 31 years old. I've been in church a good portion of my life. Um, I've been saved for a good while now, pretty good amount of time. And, uh, you know, if you've been saved, for example, for 20 years and your knowledge is the same as it was 15 years ago, um, you know, it's a terrible shame on us. We want to have more knowledge as time goes by. You know, I remember reading one writer, and he said, I love my wife more today, and I know about her more today than I did when I married her. Obviously, you should. If you only know as much about her today as you did when you married her or love her only as much, then there's a problem there. You know, and so as we grow in everything else, we need to grow in God. And so, you know, it begs the question, how, how do we know, Brother Todd, that Mormonism is wrong? How do we know that oneness is wrong? Calvinism is wrong. Catholic religion's wrong, Jehovah's Witnesses wrong, Charismatics, Hindus, Buddhists, Judaism, Scientology, Muslims, and all the religions of this world. How how can we know what is wrong and what is right just because we've heard it's wrong? Just because somebody said, Well, that's wrong, that that doesn't that doesn't work. You know, when when you know you're talking to somebody at work and you're trying to witness to them about the Lord, or your kids come up to you and they're asking you a question, somebody at school told them, the professor taught them. However it be, just saying, well, that's wrong. That's not going to work. You've got to have it in your head and your heart. And so uh, as we continue moving on, there's such a power and importance in knowledge. When you get knowledge, you'll know what's right, and you can automatically detect when something is wrong. When someone's preaching wrong, someone's teaching wrong, you can know the counterfeit because you've been around the real so much. And, you know, it takes work. Brother Todd, it takes a lot of work. Yes, sir. Any kind of preacher that claim, you know, a workman, he's a workman. Yeah, any kind of preacher that has any amount of knowledge, he just didn't, he wasn't born with it. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I wasn't. I wish I was. Right. But it takes a lot of work, and you know, studying yourself approved. I don't think that's just for the ministry. I think any Christian, you should know what you believe. Right. I think Peter deals with that uh, when he says that we ought to be ready. Uh, to give a reason of the hope that is in us to every man, right? And so uh, that is not just the responsibility of the young pastor, Timothy. That's the responsibility of the body of Christ. And so uh, I was thinking of you quoted the verse there from Second Timothy uh, about study to show yourself approved, workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing. And so... The other hand of that is if you can rightly divide the word of truth, then you can wrongly divide it. And when you look at the context of the books of the epistles of Second Timothy and First and Second Peter, Second Peter respectively is Peter's last letter. Second Timothy was Paul's last letter. They were written right before that they died. Persecution was ramping up. Uh, You have 64 A.D. where the great Roman fire was there. Nero was the emperor, and he blamed the Christians for that. You know, he just wanted a new—he wanted to remodel everything. And so most scholars believe that it was actually Nero himself that had the fire started. But he had an easy out, and he blamed the Christians for it. And just very divisive politics is what it came down to— that brought about the persecution of those days and inevitably 70 A.D., of course, we know the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and so forth. So I say in all that to say this, there was a lot of persecution that was ramping up, 
And Peter was concerned uh, that his people, the people of God, would not be equipped for the lack of knowledge, as it were. That that is always the problem. You know, when it comes to the New Testament, we need to know what that testament is. We need to understand the gospel. That's what Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why could he say that? Because he also said, a workman needeth not to be ashamed because he rightly divides the word of truth. And I'll close this thought with that back to Peter again. He talks about a group of people that were ignorant and unlearned, and they rested the scriptures unto their own destruction. That word rested there literally means twisted. They twisted the scripture unto their own destruction. And I think it's important to note there the context of who it was that was twisting the scripture. It wasn't people necessarily with mal intent. They were just ignorant and unlearned. It's not a sin to be ignorant, but it's awful inconvenient. And yeah. there's nothing spiritual about being ignorant, especially to the things of God. And maybe we can go down this route. I don't know. But with all of the resources and access that we have to those resources today, yeah. we have no excuse not to be well-read and studied when it comes to the doctrines and the principles of Christ. Yeah. Why would someone study so hard for knowledge, for everything this world has to offer. Sure. You know, we go to a, the workplace and then the boss says, you need to read this manual, just, don't, you know, all kinds of places. You read this manual and this will show you how to climb the ladder. This will show you how to do this job the most efficiently. And so what do we do? We go home and we study that manual so we can work that job the best we can. And why would we do that and at the same token right. not study the Word of God and have the knowledge of God. You know, after accepting the call to preach, I completely understood and still understand my lack of knowledge. And I spent many years before I even started evangelizing, locking myself away in the back room where my study was at, coming home, eating dinner. By 7 o'clock, I was in my study for three or four hours and studying. Right. I, I didn't feel like I knew anything. Still don't feel like I know a whole lot, but I know more now than I did then. Sure. And then I'd go in there for seven, eight hours on Saturday, and some may think, well, that man's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I didn't handle it. Maybe I should have had more family time, but I was so scared to get up and not have nothing to say. Sure. And, you know, it's not expected for every Christian to know the Bible backwards and forwards. Nobody knows everything about the Bible. It's, it, it's they're just, you just couldn't. But yeah, uh, I'd as love a Christian, to say something right there. If that's we okay. should want to know what it, we believe. Yes, sir. You, you was mentioning that. And what, what I love about the Word of God is that it's so deep that it confounds the greatest minds and scholars yes. that have ever lived, and yet it has shallow waters to where even a baby can get in the waters and not drown in it because the gospel message can be understood by a child. My, my daughter just got saved. Uh, when she was four, she actually just got the baptism of the Holy Ghost a few weeks ago, five years old. I got saved when I was four. So the the gospel is simple enough to confound the wise, right? And yet at the same time, it's so deep that though a child can be saved by that gospel message, its depths are so deep that no scholar has ever tapped in to the bottoms, if you will, of the knowledge of God. You can't do it. 
And Great so is in, the mystery of godliness. In studying the Word of God, we need to ask why. We need to study why. We need to preach why. We need to teach why. We need to tell why. And you know, I truly believe that people have left our churches for various reasons, and I do suspect that some of them was because they were living a life of lacking knowledge. And when you live a life with little to no knowledge or lacking knowledge or little bit of knowledge, you give the devil wiggle room for beliefs and doctrine. Because if you don't if you don't have your doctrine solidified, if you don't know exactly what the Bible says, and I don't mean just your doctrine or what you've heard, I mean what the Bible says. If you ain't got if you don't have the doctrines of the Bible foundational in your life then anything that comes down the down the pike, as they say, you're going to be like, well, I wonder about that. So we have to have knowledge. John 5 and 39, we can take the context of this scripture that Jesus shamed the religious leaders for knowing the rules and knowing the scripture, per se, where the rules were at, but in that, rejecting the Messiah that the scriptures were about. Right. Knowing the scriptures and then not knowing who the scriptures were about. And Jesus told them, search the scriptures. Yeah. To pour over them. That means to investigate them. Yeah. And to having knowledge is not only the most important thing, because how many people have had it in their head, right. but not in their heart? Right. That's the first Corinthians 13 point that Paul says, obviously, the love chapter. But it, Though I have all knowledge, if I have not charity, I'm sounding brass yeah. and a tinkling cymbal. And knowledge puffeth up. Uh, but... I tell you what, it isn't. So to that point, it's important to understand we got to be careful with knowledge. It's a two-edged sword. Yeah. There's, we've all heard the axiom that knowledge is power, but the Bible also says knowledge puffeth up. So there's a certain arrogance, and that's where, and I don't know, maybe this is off track a little bit, but I do think it's important to note that's where a lot of these New Age atheists, as we call them, come from. They they have this notion, this idea that science and scripture and the sacred cannot join together, you know, and all of these, a lot of these, uh, and that, well, we're in an age of reason and all of this, but it is actually, historically speaking, it is the scripture that brought about the enlightenment, the age of enlightenment, because you know, and we don't we don't have to go too deep into this, but when you look at the Refor Reformation and Martin Luther hanging those ninety five theses on the church at uh, Wittenberg there in Germany, uh, they were for debate with the with the upper class of the Catholic Church. You know, and the and the problem was they were preaching the Catholic Church was preaching things that was contrary to Scripture, indulgences, namely that uh, if you pay a little bit here. You can buy, uh, you can buy your loved ones out of purgatory. You know, or there are less years in purgatory. They were taking advantage of the common people because they didn't have the scriptures in their hands, and that's really what brought about the Reformation. Luther translated the Bible into German because at that time, for over a thousand years, the the scripture was in Latin, which was not. The language of the day then, obviously in Germany, or only only the very highest priest could even read Latin. A lot of the priests couldn't even read Latin, but they're preaching out of a Bible they can't even read, and they're demanding things from Scripture. You go back into, for instance, I'll just give this example, that idea of 
uh, indulgences and pen, uh, penitence. Jerome translated the uh, the Vulgate, you know, so the Bible was translated into Latin. Well, he translated repentance as penitence. Now, there's a there's a great gulf fix between the idea of penitence and repentance, right? You know, penitence we're atoning for our sins, we're paying for it. it's by works, but repentance is confessing your sin and turning from it and also confessing Jesus Christ as Savior by grace through faith. And so that's a big difference between penitence and repentance. And all of that, that came uh, that came from Luther's understanding. And again, I don't want to get too, too sidetracked here. I'm trying not to. So Erasmus translated, compiled a Greek New Testament. And in 1516, Martin Luther... Uh, hangs the 95 Theses on the door in 1517. And the reason why he did that is he, he saw the original. Of course, the New Testament was originally in Greek. And so they had that Latin translation all these years. And Luther was a scholar, and he, he could read Greek and obviously could read Latin, and he's going back and forth. And that's how he noticed. He's like, that's that's a wrong translation. Penitence is not what that says here. That's repentance. That's not works based, and so uh, that's that's where the just shall live by faith came in, and and all of that. So an understanding in the scripture uh, was brought to the common man. William Tyndale over in England. Excuse me, I just knocked this thing <laughs> sideways. William Tyndale over in England translated the New Testament into English, and he said this. I love this. When he was being questioned, and uh, he said, because it was, it was wrong, it was punishable by death in the eyes of the Catholic Church for the common people to have the Scripture. And so William Tyndale said, he said, the day will come where I'll see to it if God spares my life that the common plowboy will know more about the Scripture than the Pope himself. And so that didn't go over well, to say the least. And eventually he would he would pay for it yeah. with his own life. But he translated that, and now the common people uh, have the scriptures. And shortly after that, we see all of this these technological advances. And it was from the Bible itself that actually increased people's knowledge. They had the scripture. It was the scripture that unlocked all of these technologies, you know. And, and, and a lot of things, science has just caught up with what the Bible said thousands of years ago. So there's so much that could be said. I'll stop there. Yeah, there's a lot that could be said. Medical advances, all yeah, they had to absolutely. do was read the Bible and they'd have found out. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Since you said that, I'm going to say it, <laughs> right? George Washington died because he lost too much blood. Yeah. Because they believe they drained his body yeah. of blood. Was it because, called bloodletting? Yes, it was called bloodletting. And what had happened, he was riding on his horse without his coat, and he got a common cold and started getting sick. Well, he's a busy man, and so he didn't want to be down, you know, and drain some blood was the idea. Well, they took 40% of his blood out of his body, and it killed him. A common cold killed him because they drained his blood because their idea was, well, the infection's in the blood, so let's remove it. But in fact, it's the blood that continues to circulate and washes those impurities out. And the Bible said way back in Leviticus 17 and 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And it took us 
1,800 years to figure that out post-Christ, you know, let alone Leviticus. And so I'm glad that uh, medicine's finally catching up with the Bible. So back to the original statement, not only just have it in your head and not your heart, but then I think there's a lot of danger in having it in your heart and not your head. Because you've, if you've got it in your heart, but then that, that's where it stops. You've got to know it for yourself. Mm-hmm. You've got to know it for yourself. And if you've only got it in your heart, you, you've got to be able to tell your kids, you know, your spouse, your coworkers. If we're supposed to be the light of the world, then you're going to have to have this in your head. Sure. And, and I think that uh, speaks to probably what we're saying about knowledge. Because the fundamental question is, like, can you really have it? And this is what I would, would add or even ask. Can you really, really have it in your heart without having it in your head? How can you how can you be persuaded of something yeah. and really believe something if you if you don't know it and and that's that is one of my great concerns uh, of our generation is you know we can be told the right things but if we don't know why we believe what we believe how can we give a reason to them that ask us yeah. why is it that you believe that you know and and. It is so important that we have what we are convinced of that is the truth, that we know why it's the truth. Yeah. If you're convinced, it's hard to be convincing if you don't have it in your head and your heart. Right. You, you don't know to, how to articulate what you what yeah. you know. That's exactly right. Just talking to someone and saying, well, I just, I just know. Well, my wife was talking to a Mormon lady at the laundromat several months ago, and she said that I have this... I just just I prayed and asked God, is Joseph Smith right? Is this because the Mormon Bible talks about it being another testament, mm-hmm. and we, you know we could go on a rabbit trail about that. And yeah, we Galatians might, chapter we might, one. We might next episode. Preach. We might next episode. <laughs> easy killer. <laughs> but uh, go ahead. Anyways, but she's like, I feel it in my heart. I feel that burning sensation. I, I feel it in yeah. my heart, and I know that it's right. So she felt that she had it in her heart. And so she was trying to explain it to my wife out of her head while it was right. And I told my wife, I like what one preacher said. He said, that ain't God. Take a Tums. <laughs> he said, that ain't right. Take a Tums. You got heartburn. When we, when we make truth subject to how we feel, I'm going to make a statement here. When we make truth subjective to how we feel about a thing, are we any better than those that say, well, I feel like I'm a woman, but I'm a biological man, or I'm a man, yeah. but I'm, it's, with all due respect, it's the same thing. Truth is not subjective to how you feel. We ought to make our feelings subjective to truth. Right. Truth is the authority. There is an absolute. Right. Yes, sir. Um, you know, when our kids can't comprehend truth and knowledge, and they can't right now. They're, what they look at and what they hear, and you know they do listen, but they can't comprehend it all. And it's up to us to explain it to them. Take the steak, chew it down. Take your pastor feeding you a steak. Take it home, chew it up, give it to your children. And uh, you know when one generation doesn't know why, and it gets passed down, then all of a sudden we've got a whole generation that's living out of tradition and not knowledge. Yeah. Well, that's that's dangerous. And I've heard many a preacher say we're one generation away of losing, losing it, losing the truth, losing holiness. 
Because all it takes is one generation not to pass it down. Right. One not to search out the scriptures. That, that's you said it right there. Search out the search the scriptures whether these things be so. I don't want to believe anything that I can't find in the scripture. <laughs> the scripture is our final authority, and it must be. And yeah. so, and right uh, here, I think I, I think there's a rabbit I should chase for just a second. Go for it. And there there are folks that want to say, well, you know, for example, we did an episode on Halloween. There's nowhere in scriptures that says do not celebrate Halloween. There was no such thing right. at the writing of that scripture. But there are scriptures, for example, that I'll paraphrase that says abstain from all appearance of evil. Mm-hmm. To me, that's very common sense. To me, that's one plus one. Halloween's evil. Abstain from it. Good. Well, that, you're you're bringing up something very important, but it's not in scripture. To, to what I. That's exactly right. But the to principle what I said. is the principle. There's there's precepts and principles, and and we have to apply those principles based on scripture. It's all got to be taken yeah. back to the scripture, you know. And one of the most important things is what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. He said, "You need the Holy Ghost," and I'm paraphrasing, but I think we could safely say when you read through the Book of John. And read, I was just preaching about the other day, when you read what was on Jesus' mind leading up to his crucifixion, it was, the comforter is going to come, mm-hmm. you need the comforter, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you, Yes, I tell and, you the truth. And why was that, right? John 14. And then he goes on to say, he's going to be your guide. Yes, yes. When, so When he, the spirit of what? Truth. When he, the spirit exactly. of truth, he shall lead you into all truth. He'll guide you. Yes. And so... When you have that spirit of truth and when you have the guide of the Holy Ghost who will never lead you wrong, then you can't – how should I say this? Folks that say, well, they preach that and it's not in Scripture. Well, if you would have that spirit of truth in you, you could accept that the principle of that is – and I know some folks abuse it. I know some folks want to abuse and add to Scripture. I'm not getting into that today. Right. But what I'm saying is folks want to say, well, if it ain't in Scripture, I'm not doing it. But they really mean it's almost as if they it's almost comes to me like they literally mean if it's not spelled out, then I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it takes me back to the end of the book of John when we read that if all if all miracles that Jesus done have been written, sure. all the books, the books, the world couldn't contain them. Right. Well, if the world couldn't contain all the books, if they were written of just as miracles, then what would it be if he told us, can you imagine Paul in prison? And this is how silly it gets, but this is this is where it's at. Can you imagine Paul in prison? He's writing his prison epistles, and he's going, in May of 2023, there's going to be this new thing come out, and it's wrong. But right. in June of 2023, this is going to come out, and it's okay. Obviously not. But we can take the scriptures that we search out. We can take one verse, like abstain from all appearance of evil. Well, then how do you know what's evil? For one, you're going to have to be saved and have the Spirit of God in you. Right. But then if you've got that guide, if you've got that truth in you, he's going to let you know. And so then we can earnestly contend for the faith. We can take that which was once delivered from the saints. So when the Holy Ghost spoke to my grandpa, for example, about this was wrong, then I can take that as truth even now. Because the Holy Ghost said it then, he means it now. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So we have we have to take things 
in context, and we also have to take them well in it, principle. I was thinking about what in principle there is is that uh, when it says abstain from all or every appearance of evil, that's a pretty big tent, right? Yeah, all very. is a whole lot of territory. That's millions <laughs> of things. So there there is room there for the Holy Ghost to to speak to us, and yeah. you've got Galatians that speaks about the. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, and then it goes on and it says, and such like. You know, there there are things that may not be explicitly named in Scripture, but is it is implicitly named yeah. in principle, and that's why you've got to have the Spirit of God to lead you into all truth. You know, I, I'd like to say this: something that my pastor, Brother Benny Sutherland, has always taught us as young preachers is that if you get in the pulpit and you name something as sin, then if it's sin now, it's sin 20 years from now. And I think that's a good rule of thumb for all of us to keep in mind. I am not, listen, I want to be abundantly clear. I am not being critical of uh, of the holiness people in <laughs> in any way. I'm not criticizing the man or his message. I'm just simply stating that uh, as a God-called gospel preacher, we must be balanced with Scripture and let the Scripture speak for itself because God gave us his word. He gave us what he wanted us to have. And I want to speak the word of God because the word of God is the word of truth and the word of life. And I thank God. I'm just honored to be a part of the ministry. I'm honored to be Me a too. part of the independent holiness people. And so I, I want to be clear about that. Look, I think, uh, Brother Austin, I can say for both of us, you know, we're not young preachers that think that we've got the world's problems figured no. out. That's that's not I, – I pray we're not coming off that way in any we're measure. Just, this I is just, just a place of information. Uh, and it's important, you know, all I'm saying my, – my thing is I just want to be balanced and I want to be balanced with Scripture. Yes, sir. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're just dying to give us feedback and, you, you know, you might take something that we're saying out of context or whatever, can I please, you know, I've had folks email, and I don't want to get too much into it, but I've had folks email and ask a question about this or ask a question about that. And when I read the email, they would say, I just started listening and I don't understand why you said this or that. Well, to I, I really got to take a moment and say this. There have been many questions we've been asked on our feedback that were already answered. And so all I did was refer them back to previous episodes. So if you think about sending us an email, please ask yourself, have I listened to every episode of this podcast? Because if you're listening to the episode today that's number 99, and you just started listening, and you've only listened to like 95 through 99 and you want to ask us a question, it was probably already answered. Good chance it was already answered in like 60s, 70s, 80s. So, and, so, and so please, go back and listen to all the episodes because we've had people write in, and frankly, I've had some you know jump on us about holiness appearance, and I'm like, listen, we started this podcast back in episode one, and we went through holiness attitudes. Even Brother Todd was a part of that. We went through speech and behavior and attitudes and uh, personal convictions, and we went through uh, actions and where you go, what is holiness, why should I live it, 
Um, what does holiness mean? We went then we went through a series on appearance. I mean, we have literally went through so many different topics. We've went through false doctrine. We've went through I don't even know all the topics we've went through. Tons and tons. So look through the podcast, read all the topics, listen to all the episodes, take them in context, search the scriptures, listen to everything that's been said, and then if there's still a question, feel free to ask it. But I just, I, I've been wanting to say that for several weeks, and I just haven't got the time to and the moment right in a podcast to do that. But so if you listen to this episode today and you're like, this is the first episode you're even listening to and you've got questions where we're, because if you've not listened to anything we've said and you're just tuning into today, you're just tuned in last week, you're going to be like, what are these guys talking about? You're going to be like, why are we even talking about this? So go back and listen to everything. Okay. Go back and listen to everything. All right. Um, you ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. Two scriptures, and we're going to try to get off here in like just a few minutes. John 4, 23 and 24. Amazing scriptures. There's so much we can pull out of John 4. Jesus and the woman at the well. It's unbelievable. I don't even know if you could ever pull out everything out of there. Just I went through a study just through the chapter a while back. Just blew my mind what I come up with. What I, what I read and heard and everything. So, But the hour cometh, and now he is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But the Todd, I truly believe this is the formula that we need to live by today, spirit and in truth. You know, we should not base our doctrine off our demonstration but our demonstration, our worship from doctrine. And, you know, if we're going to have a true New Testament church, I think it's safe to say it's going to be one that's full of spirit, one that can worship, the gifts of the Holy Ghost are active, people can shout, people are living right. At the same time, there's doctrine preached. They know they're saved. They know why they're saved. They know sanctification. They know what it is. They know what the Holy Ghost is. They know why they believe what they believe. A church that can get in and worship and also a church that is full of doctrine and a church that teaches. We need to be full of spirit and truth. Absolutely. That that is the balance, is it not? Yes. Jesus gave it to us. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And you know, I love what Brother L. D. Moore always said the premium is on the spirit. But guess what the spirit is called? The spirit of <laughs> truth. And he'll lead you into all truth. If we put a premium on the spirit, then we will have truth. And if we have truth, we will have the spirit of God. And I know we want a shouting service. We do. Sure. We want a high service. But that's not going to keep people saved. It comes from truth. That Our worship has to come from truth. I've seen people shout on Sunday. And they were backslid before the next Sunday. I've had friends that were in the highest of services, but they're lost right now today. Me and you know friends, people, through time, through places that are lost right now, and they was in the highest of all highs services. They didn't have the doctrine in their heart and their head. Doctrine is the meat to keep you alive. But, Brother Todd, doctrinal preaching is boring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well. I don't think so. I think there's power in doctrinal preaching. I think if you have the author in your life, doctrine will feed you. That's right. It sure will. If you can't shout on doctrine, I don't know what you're shouting about. Mm-hmm. Well, our worship, 
our doxology has to come from a proper theology. It's got to come from proper teaching. Our our worship has to come from proper yep. teaching. And as we get off here today, you know, anybody that studies false doctrine at all and has been around it at all or talked to people, you talk to a oneness person, they're going to push their doctrine. They push it. They have to. If they don't keep pushing it, people will realize it's fake. <laughs> they push it and push it and push it. They preach their doctrine. Calvinists are not shy at all to preach on eternal security. Everybody in the world, everybody across the country, I should say, loves to listen to David Jeremiah and Adrian Rogers and some of these men. And I'm telling you what, them guys preach eternal security all the time. Unconditional eternal security, right? They want to preach it all the time. They're not shy about it, and their doctrine's from hell. How much more should we preach, teach, push biblical doctrine? And I know we don't have the time to go into all those doctrines right now, but please, I already said it. We've already dealt. If you hear us say something in passing on episode 99, it was more than likely already dealt with in 65. So we went through two entire episodes on the false doctrine of Calvinism. So when we say it's wrong, we already proved why it was wrong. We just went through on the last episode for a little bit on why oneness was wrong. Of course, we didn't go into it in its entirety. Maybe we, we, we will someday. But we went through a, a decent portion of it there with Brother Donnie about it's wrong. So, again, we say it in passing. It's already been dealt with. And stay tuned for next week. We're also going to deal with a major topic that has been the burden of my heart and Brother Todd's as well. Yes, sir. We're looking forward to that, and thank you again for the opportunity to be a part of this. God bless you all. Thank you for your time. Hey, thanks for coming on the podcast again. Thanks for everybody listening. Peace out, everybody. child well done there will be no regrets for me i'll be living with him through all eternity i don't want to live life on the edge i'd rather